So hi, Guy. Hi, Matt. How are you? I'm good. What about you? Yeah, I'm great. So this is an unusual um, occasion for us because we are in the same location. Once in a while, this happens and this will happen, I hope. And uh, since we have in mind that we're going to start uh, an interview series on our, on our channel, we uh, wanted to start by interviewing each other. Uh, this is just to give a, a more background to the, to the channel, but also in a way to just start the series by interviewing ourselves. Uh, and so we're going to have a series of questions, and this is also going to be the format going forward. And today I am going to interview you, okay? Cool. Okay. So we start with uh, some questions about uh, your, your background. So maybe if you can tell us something about your age, what you studied, and you know, what, whatever you want to uh, tell us. Yeah. So I'm 34, and I studied electrical engineering uh, with a specialization in telecommunications. And I earned a double PhD in Italy and France. And then I went through a few postdocs around the world in Singapore, in Boston, and then back in uh, Sweden. And now I work in uh, Stockholm as an electrical engineer. I'm a research engineer. Okay, good. And um, when did your investing journey begin? Yeah. So my interest in investing started after the 2008 financial crisis. I wanted to understand uh, what was happening in the world. At that time, I was still uh, a bachelor student. Uh, but my actual investing uh, with real money started uh, quite a few years after the crisis, maybe six or seven years, maybe eight years. Um, so I started let's say, six, five, six years ago, probably. Okay, and was there anyone that introduced you to investing? Or, yeah, how, how did it happen? Yeah, no, no not, not uh, people that I knew uh, personally, but there are a lot of great investors uh, who are kind enough to share their knowledge and their experience and so I just started reading books and uh, uh, blogs uh, uh, and financial newspapers and so on. So it took a while to get into the jargon and what was happening, uh, figuring out how to invest, like literally what is a, a brokerage account and so on. And maybe before uh, going into more specific topics, um, why do you invest in, 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 the, in the first place? Right. So at some point, after some fixed costs uh, are, are uh, removed and one has some disposable income, you, you have this problem of what you do with extra money. And for quite a few years, I just saved uh, because after all, there were not so, so many. And then one, I, I started to, to, to initially to trade, actually. So it was not a great idea, of course. Uh, and then uh, to, to actually invest. And 
eventually the point is to to get to a point where the passive income from investing is large enough and comparable to the income from labor and uh, at that point the uh, financial pressure will be less and so there will be more freedom to pursue many other things okay and uh, let's maybe more move now into more specific topics um, so the first question that we have here so we have some sort of template that we're going to use with all our guests is about how you select stocks and I guess in, in this case some of your criteria are already available to whoever is watching our channel um, because we show multiple base models um, DCF models um, but yeah if you can just maybe add anything that you would like to add on, on this yeah probably the simplest way we use is to filter stocks with value line morningstar or other uh, services and according to what we believe uh, are the most important variables uh, so in particular uh, revenue growth and uh, uh, eps growth and return on total capital and so on uh, and then after the filter we try to to assess uh, more carefully uh, each company uh, so the filter is uh, mostly based on fundamentals disregarding the price essentially and then the analysis is on the price so the filter wants to find good businesses and then the analysis wants to find whether or not the stock is good yeah so basically whether or not you put it on a sort of watch list yes. or you buy it right away right um, and so I guess this is already clear that, of course, the approach that you follow is the value investing approach. Um, and we said already that you use both a DCF model and a multiple based model. And before that, you use some um, screeners, as you said. Uh, but then on top of all of this, um, do you get inspirations from, for example, uh, dividend aristocrats, um, the magic formula we haven't talked about the magic formula on this channel yet we will but maybe you can say a few words if you want about it or um, just people that share maybe also their thoughts on twitter and and the like yes so there are a few great investors that um, i admire and so i look at their their 13fs and their uh, disclosures fully aware that uh, probably it's not representative of their whole portfolio, but just a part of, of the portfolio, but it still gives some uh, hint to where to look. So some, some of the funds are Fundsmith or Acri, uh, the Acri Fund, and of course, uh, Berkshire, uh, Guy's Peer, Monish, and, and so on. So the, a lot of value investors Okay, and um, maybe let's talk more about the specifics of your portfolio, right? Because we, we said and we talked about how you can select stocks. Um, we haven't really talked about then what you do practically, because say that 
maybe you want to end up with and you 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 tell us maybe a bit more about these 20 stocks in your portfolio or 10 stocks or 30 stocks how do you deal with your portfolio in general so for example do you contribute periodically to your account yes so i try to contribute yeah periodically and the way i approach this is to have a macro view and to adjust the cash balance based on the macro view and then the equity component is split uh, onto the best stocks but then also how to split the equity component on the best stocks uh, essentially i have limit orders at several prices and if they uh, if they are reached uh, the actual cash balance is reduced and the equity component is goes up okay and um, so we haven't talked about really this or whether or not you tend to invest in dividend stocks or in growth let's say stocks um, so maybe yeah can you tell us a little bit about these and more specifically to to the dividend stocks uh, when they pay you a dividend what do you do with it Okay, so I don't reinvest the dividend right away in the same stocks. And, but yes, so I, I invest in dividend stocks, but the most important aspect of dividend champions, dividend aristocrats and so on, is their defensive nature. They have this long history of, of giving dividend to, to shareholders. And so it, it gives some defense to very ugly parts of the business cycle to the portfolio. One aspect that I try to consider is that if the stock is paying a dividend, probably it's not going to grow as fast as if there were opportunities to reinvest completely the earnings uh, within the company. So. It, it, the portfolio is not a dividend-focused uh, portfolio, but there are several dividend stocks. And sometimes we just figure out that some dividend uh, champions are extremely good stocks in terms of valuations and growth. And so in that case, one has the best of both worlds. Okay, so basically you mostly buy stocks, right? I mean, we haven't talked about this specifically because you could also buy bonds, you could buy uh, indices. Uh, but from the conversation we're having so far and also from our channel, uh, you mostly buy stocks, right? Yes, it's a long-only. Long-only portfolio. Long-only portfolio. Okay, and so now this comes um, uh, in handy because... In our template here, we have a question on how you behave during a bear market and uh, whether or not we are already in a bear market. I mean, I guess number-wise, we could say that we are in a in a bear market since January probably or something around, around that time. How do you behave in a bear market? Um, and you, you said already that your portfolio, it's a, it's a long-only portfolio, so I guess you don't plan on shorting. Uh, but how would you would you behave going forward if what you know we think 
is going to happen will happen, saying that in less than a week, the Fed will increase rates even more. Uh, we don't know whether or not that's going to trigger a financial crisis or a, or a recession, but it's, it seems that we are going uh, in that direction. So sooner or later, we're going to have to hit uh, the, the limit point in a way. And so what's your plan? Because I guess now it could be clear to people that if the stocks you are uh, selecting through your, your screeners um, are too expensive, you just wait. Uh, I guess there, there have been some stocks in the last months that became cheaper. And we're going to release a video on the channel about this, about our top, uh, say, five uh, stocks at the moment. I can spoil it a little bit. We talked about Meta. Uh, we talked about Best Buy, uh, we talked about T-Row price. So I guess that in those cases, it makes sense that even in a bear market, uh, especially in the beginning when you know it becomes cheaper and cheaper, you bought and you built some positions on those stocks. But more in general, going forward, like say that you have two or three years where everything got very cheap, but basically doesn't really move from there. What's your plan? So the most important thing is to plan ahead so to select businesses that will be able to withstand a crisis so it's very important to select businesses with very strong balance sheets and businesses that we believe will be there afterwards because if we are certain or, or we have a very high conviction that they will be able to to overcome all the hurdles of the crisis then we can invest more when the stock is down so one of the most important aspects that i use is to completely avoid high growth stocks or stocks with very limited history or extremely high valuations because during a crisis they will be battered and we don't really know if they will be able to to survive and thrive afterwards so planning ahead is very important looking at the balance sheet is important during a bull market typically one can ignore a lot of uh, these aspects but the specifics of the business are, are very relevant then part of planning ahead is to have a cash balance that is enough to to be used during the crisis because if we are fully invested like now and there's a bear market a real bear market not, not like 20 percent from very high valuations of a few months ago like a, a situation where the psychology of, of investors change when it seems that there's no end in sight and so on when that happens one has to have the cash berkshire has 25 percent of cash to 20 25 percent of cash uh, also because they are an insurance but probably because warden is waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and at some point he will buy up uh, some elephant uh, as 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 he used, used to say. Um, and before maybe uh, changing topic, um, we, we talked about that you only go long, 
so and that you only uh, buy stocks uh, we also talked about the fact that you might select growth stocks and dividend stocks so i suppose that in some sort of ideal steady state scenario in a few years you will have a portfolio comprised of some growth stocks and some dividend stocks so do you have a, some sort of portfolio yield in mind that you would like to achieve what's your in a way long-term or mid-term goal for your portfolio so for the moment no uh, for the moment the dividend yield is just a result of of the stocks that are in the portfolio uh, it's a nice feature but it's not at all there's no target but this is also in in my personal case the uh, the uh, a period of accumulation so maybe later on the dividend yield of a portfolio will become more important so let's switch to macro microeconomics uh, so the first question is do you care or not so I, I, I care in so far as the business cycle is concerned. So I think that macro is extremely hard and uh, I don't have a background in macro. So I don't try to understand or to forecast uh, where currency are going or where commodities are going and so on. But we cannot, at least I cannot, I think that I cannot ignore completely the business cycle that is a very strong feature of financial markets is there. And it's very important for me because as I said before, I modulate the cash balance based on, on, on the position in the cycle so for example now we are in mid late cycle so i tend to be extremely cautious uh, but then uh, during and slightly after a crisis then probably i will be fully invested that's uh, the level of macroeconomics that i use so very basic let's say and for example do you consider uh tailwinds in a specific company like coming from the industry in a specific company that you would like to invest in like do you bring those info that info in your uh, analysis or, or not let's say that's part of valuation one can have higher conviction if there are tailwinds associated with the industry where the company operates in so for example in semiconductors one can be more uh, certain that in the next 10 years there will be uh, demand growing demand um, but in, in other industries it's very unclear and so that impacts the like the likelihood of investing in those companies because the valuation the conviction on the valuation is lower and what about the economy like what's your view on the economy right now for example or also in general if you want to comment on that yeah well th there are there are cycles also there and financial markets are typically leading 
So when unemployment goes up, typically it's too late. The markets are already down catastrophically. Um, so let's say that economists don't have a very good track record on it. The Fed, for example, has been criticized now for um, missing on inflation and uh, uh, being misled by who knows what. So they have 200 or 300 uh, PhD economists there. So I don't try to forecast anything that they probably uh, have many problems forecasting. And okay, so now just for fun, a few more questions. Um, for example, uh, what are your recent stock picks? If you can share uh, at least some of them. Yeah, so some, some of the stocks that we evaluated on, on our channels uh, are recent stocks that I invested in, in particular Thero, uh, Best Buy, and uh, Google, Amazon, some others when, when they went uh, relatively down. You know, now we entered the last part of the interview, um, which uh, we called I wish I knew or things I wish I knew. So for example, can you tell us some of your errors uh, at the beginning or even, you know, two months ago or whatever? Yeah, so at the very beginning, the biggest error was not to embrace a value strategy. So to try to trade based on momentum, essentially. And it didn't work out very well, but also it was not catastrophic, but it was also during a, a bull market. Then later on, some of the errors were based on dividend traps, value traps, for example, investing in uh, high yielding companies and uh, value traps, uh, investing in uh, very low P uh, kind of uh, stocks without regard of other components. So for example, another stock that uh, I invested in recently is Intel, whose P is very low at this point, around six but not because of the P alone. So I don't think that Intel right now is a value trap, uh, but other stocks may have very low P and uh, for, for, for a good reason. Yeah, so they are cheap because they have to be cheap. And now to conclude the interview, a question that we will ask to our interviewee will be what's your end game? So we talked at the beginning about the reasons why you invest, uh, but investing can be and usually is a lifelong game and a lifelong journey where you tend to learn other than hopefully getting wealthier. Uh, but for example, do you have a specific goal? Do you have a specific target? For example, in terms of portfolio um, value, and um, are there some milestones that you have in mind also related, if you want, to the channel? Uh, so things that you would like to do once you reach certain numbers? 
Yeah, so clearly one big change will occur if I will ever be there uh, when the dividends of the portfolio are such that the labor income is comparable to them. So at that point, one has more options. So this is a first milestone. Um, then, as you said, investing is a lifelong journey. So I don't plan to essentially ever sell companies for any reason beside the idiosyncratic reasons for the companies, but then I will I would redeploy the capital. It really depends on where I am going to uh, to find myself with the portfolio. Of course, there are many things that I would like to experience, enjoy, and and contribute that are beyond what I'm doing now. And so having funds to, to accomplish some things that are valuable to me and that I believe are good for society would be very satisfactory. Okay, then thanks. This is the end for this interview, the first interview on the channel. Next time we're going to have my interview and you're going to interview me. So we're just going to have to exchange uh, roles. And then hopefully the third interview will be the one of many interviews where we interview external guests. And uh, we'll see. Uh, I guess that will be very interesting for the channel, um, for us, and for whoever is going to hopefully uh, watch them. So, yeah, thanks for today and enjoy your afternoon. Thank you, Matt. It has been a pleasure.